Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 35 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm okay, how about you? Not bad, here we are, second Minisode of 2019, first full episodes in the can, I feel like we're well and truly back in harness now. Yes, definitely, we're off and running again. Couple of things I want to say, um, if anyone does hear any background noise, it has got incredibly windy, almost kind of biblically so. Yeah, yeah, right before we hit record, <laughs> uh, that happened. So if you hear a little bit of background noise, uh, do not be alarmed. There's an occupational hazard of recording in an attic. Yeah, we are inside. <laughs> I know it might sound like we're not, but we are. Um, also, I uh, just wanted to say, much. what do you think of the setup here, the temporary setup? Um, I think that it's uh, it's really strong, and we actually forgot to mention this last week. I <laughs> know, no, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, around about, um, around about Christmas, New Year kind of time, I came over yes. for, a, for a rare... Uh, uh, non-podcast related visit it was just a social <laughs> visit um where uh us and a couple of other friends uh watched a couple of films yep fine films they were <laughs> and <laughs> um, uh of course uh, i ended up staying here yes you did yeah and for me to enable you to stay here i had to move the coffee table that we normally use for as a kind of recording station and uh, in doing so, drunkenly, it collapsed, I think it's fair to say, like a house of cards. I didn't see the actual incident, but I saw the aftermath, <laughs> and I would say that that's a fair description. Um, so, yeah, the, the setup is rudimentary, I would say. I would but say. Maybe we'll put a photo up. I think we should put a photo up, actually, uh-huh. yeah, just, so, like, just because I was quite impressed when I came in and saw it, to be honest. I think that you've done well. Um, but uh, yeah we will we'll be back to full strength pretty soon Um, but um, aside from uh, MacGyvering together temporary recording stations how else have you been spending the week Uh, I did hop on to Shudder and check out Brett Simmons You Might Be the Killer ah now um, so I've seen this one yeah Um, yeah. secret film at Celluloid Screams this year Uh Uh, I missed it because I was drinking Ah, of course, of course, yeah. Um, um, so it was the secret film. It was, yeah. Um, okay, you go first, because I think I've talked about this a little bit before, so you go. I don't remember you'd mentioning it before, but uh, yeah, I thought it was all right, I thought it was quite good. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like um, it's what The Hangover would be if it was a slasher. Right, okay, uh, I can kind of see why you would say that. Good central performance from Frank Kranz in this one as well. Yeah, Frank Kranz continuing the trend of being in films that uh, play with slasher tropes. Very true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he was in the final girls, I think that'd be a clean sweep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but he's really good in this. I, yeah, I, I like this film a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a it's a relatively new appear, um, arrival on Shudder, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Quite enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I think, um, I think it's an interesting one. Um, got anything else in there? Uh, no, 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 nothing really. Okay, so I had a couple of things, uh, mostly revisits, but um, so I went back to what I think is the premier great original terrible sequel combo. 
All right, okay. Well, not maybe not the ultimate, but certainly I am, as I've mentioned a couple of times in here, I think that in terms of studio horror from like the last 10 years, mm-hmm. I think that Sinister is it's really high on my list. Right. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's great. It's also my, my favourite Scott Derrickson film as well, I would say. Right, okay. But um, I watched that um, for the umpteenth time this week. Uh, it's weird that something that's that kind of hellish and has so many um, Super 8 footage things of families being murdered it's yeah. a comfort film for me but um <laughs> but i do have it on in the background every now and again because i just like going back to it i'm a big fan of the film i hate sinister 2 yeah yeah it's terrible uh yeah it's dire i think it's one of those things where it's just this vain and uh really ill-considered attempt to uh kind of sprout a franchise where one did, like where there's no room for one yeah and i i think kieran foy is a decent director yeah I think um, so too. The film did nothing for me, the sequel. Absolutely no. nothing. And I always think that like, it's, I don't even know at whose feet the blame lies for that. Because um, the, the film was kind of like earnestly made. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah. With, with like this resolute belief in what's doing. But I just think perhaps that a sequel was a bad idea from square one. Yeah, on paper it all seems like it would make sense. Uh, I think Shannon Sossamon's good. Yeah, it was actually just nice to see her in something. Yeah. Like, yeah, because yeah. Um, she'd been off the radar for a wee while. Yeah, I think uh, James Ransone's good. James Ransone, resolutely, regularly, really good and stuff. I think. Yeah. Um, an interesting choice to promote to the kind of leading man for this, but I think he was. I think he was really good. Um, he's in. He's in uh, it chapter two as well, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah. I think he's playing grown up Eddie Casbrack. Which, which. I didn't pick him when I was mentally casting it in my head, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, God, yeah, of course it's him. <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of things I think that Sinister 2 does wrong. I think that um, they kind of demystify a lot of the scariest central elements in Sinister 2, I think. Like, you see way too much of a ghoul. The fact that, like, the dead kids are no longer kind of, like, creepy iconography and are actually, like, characters who turn up and interact with people. I don't like that as an idea. Yeah. But I think that, just to end on a positive note, I think that Sinister is fucking great. I would agree with that. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, it uh, wasn't long after, like, I think we spoke about Coherence a couple of weeks ago on here. We did, yeah. Uh, and I was talking about how, uh, kind of, like, uh, micro-budget indie sci-fi is something that I've found myself taking kind of a shine to uh, over the last, maybe, again, maybe eight or nine years. And uh, the, kind of, one of the big gateway films for me for that was uh, Mike Cahill's Another Earth. Right. Which I went back to this week. Have you seen it? No. So Another Earth... Uh, was it was an early role for Brett Marling, who went on to obviously be in the OA and uh, the East and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and a lot of these things are made by the same uh, the same crew and the same team. And um, I think Brett Marling co-wrote this as well. Right. But basically, Another Earth is about... Um, it's a sci-fi film, and it's about um, a prodigious uh, girl or a woman who gets into a kind of really prestigious school, celebrates by going out and getting drunk, drives home drunk, and kills... Uh, a man's wife and child Good in an explosion and the man is injured gets out of hospital eventually she goes to jail sure uh, gets out good to see justice being served yes um, and then it jumps ahead to when she gets out basically and she looks up the kind of aftermath of what has happened uh, she realises that the husband uh, or the father in the family is the only one who has survived mm-hmm. she goes to his house to apologise he answers the door You can kind of she can kind of see that his life is a bit, a bit of a mess doesn't have it in her to say what she's really there to do and says instead that she's offering a free trial of a cleaning service and ends up coming and going to his house a little bit and they develop this friendship and this relationship and obviously there's this horrible underlying secret. This happens in synchronicity with a B story of an exact replica of planet Earth appearing in the sky. Like melancholia. Yeah, except this is better. <laughs> um... And that, wow, that's, hot take. that is better, trust me. <laughs> um, but that exists 
completely outside of the main story right until the third act and the two dovetail in a way that is absolutely spectacular okay um and uh, another earth is i just think it's a fucking fantastic film and it's another one that i've watched millions of times and again i'm in a situation right now where my options for what to watch are quite limited <laughs> uh so i'm going back to things that i've seen before quite a bit but i hadn't seen this in a couple of years and i was really happy to revisit it's fucking fantastic if anybody hasn't watched it out there and things like coherence and stuff like that and maybe like uh upstream color primer and things like that if that kind of thing appeals to you then maybe worth going and digging this out if you haven't seen it because it really is it's one of my favorite films of the last 10 years or so oh, right, and okay. it was nice to go back to it did have one other thing uh outside of shockwaves uh which was i revisited uh harold's going stiff oh i right okay uh, have you seen that yeah yeah, yeah. I've seen that. uh so for anyone that hasn't it's done in a kind of mockumentary style uh and it's a zombie film but zombieism is kind of treated as an illness and uh, what you've got basically is Harold, who is this elderly man who's turning into a zombie. And the film, the documentary, if you like, uh, kind of focuses on the relationship between him and his carer and or his nurse kind of thing. And also in the background, what you have is this kind of like uh, vigilantes who are killing zombies. And it's about those two those two plot lines and how they eventually intertwine. Really, really moving film. I yeah, think. yeah. Like uh, that's a lovely wee film. It's, it is. It is. It's. 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 Yeah. I think it's really touching. Um. I have a really hard time with uh the ending. I find it really traumatic. I fucking bawl my eyes out every time. But it's uh. I Harold Harold's going steps a great film, and it's just another one that again, just kind of by the fact that I had a limited supply of things to go back to, I just went back and saw it for the first time in maybe three years, and I was like, God, this is so great, and not that many people have seen it. Yeah. And it, I thought it was worth a mention. Okay. But that just about concludes my viewing for the week. Apart from. Ah, uh, just another one this week, but um, I have finally sorted Wi-Fi. Right, okay. Um, it's not finally. It's not finally. Mitch has it. It's not here yet. Right, but the deal is done. Right, okay. Oh, so, for fuck's sake. Right, okay. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. Hopefully, back to being a little bit more versatile. Um, soon. But I did. I did watch the descent. Ah, okay. Uh, this week, which was a rewatch. Right, great film. Yes, it is. It is. I haven't seen the descent part two. Not such a great film. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't, I don't need to tell anyone the sense about the Neil Marshall's film. I love it; mm-hmm. it's great. I think everyone does. <laughs> How much worse is the Descent Part Two? That's nothing special. Okay, okay, that's fine. I think is the the the, the fairest way to put that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah, another one in the can. I'm um, hopefully try and get a couple done uh, this week. I have a real hard time with the Descent. Sometimes that, that that's my idea. Sheer hell. Not necessarily the monster part, but I think throwing the monsters into the mix of something that's already my idea of hell, it gets me in a weird primal place. The descent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I said, one uh, so one more in the can. Yeah. Uh, this week, so uh, taking along slowly but surely. Um, right before we move on to uh, feedback section, a couple of things happened this week that I think are worth a mention. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. In the uh, in the horror world. Uh, so we had a trailer drop this week for our Netflix original film, mm-hmm. uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this one because it is the new film from Dan Gilroy, uh, who was also the writer-director of Nightcrawler. Oh, right, of course, yes. Which, yeah. uh, again, a fucking fantastic film. That should, that should have been an awards uh, board sweeper, I think. Right. Uh, oh, I absolutely love Nightcrawler. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah hi. <laughs> it's so great. Um, so he's written and directed this as well, uh, Dan Gilroy, and also Jake Gyllenhaal's back. Yep. Alongside uh, John Malkovich. He's in there. Uh, Natalia Dyer, uh, Nancy from Stranger Things, yep. is in there. Also, uh, Tony Collette, Randy Russo is back in again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so, and also actually, uh, Zaw Ashton. 
Yeah. Uh, Vod from uh, Fresh Meat. So yeah, really interesting cast. And uh, the synopsis is, after a series of paintings by an unknown artist are discovered, a supernatural force enacts revenge on those who have allowed their greed to get in the way of art. <laughs> <laughs> kind of neon demony vibes. Yeah, I suppose yeah, so. And yeah. the, the trailer. The trailer's awesome, I think. The trailer uh, makes it look uh, really scary, slightly artsy. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested in it. There's a couple of kind of like, I'm getting a little bit kind of like a little bit tired of uh, winky social media references. I don't. Th- <laughs> I think that in like ninety percent of cases, they aren't as funny as people think they are. Right. See when see when somebody like in the middle of some sort of horrific event, somebody says something like, "We're trending on Instagram." It's like, oh fuck off. <laughs> You're such an old cunt. No, it's not, it's, it's not so much that. It's like, if, if anything, it's the other way around. I just kind of feel like it's this totally unnecessary side-eye at young people in technology. <laughs> so when that happens in trailers, sometimes like, it's like, oh, get back. I'll just like, wind your fucking neck in, like old that man. Like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah, no, I can't. Like, I hate that. Really yeah. annoys me. Um, but apart from that, I think it looks great. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I kind of forgot. I read about it a wee while ago, and I totally forgotten about it until the trailer t- surfaced this week. Yeah, great title, by the way. <laughs> so I know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was. I think it looks really promising. That's first of February, so not too long to wait for that one as well. Also, um, just going back to Velvet Buzzsaw, just quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, not what I. If you were to tell me that title, I wouldn't tell you that's what it was about. No, not at all. The same as with that uh, film Machine Gun Preacher. Yes. In my world, that was a very different film. Aha, uh-huh. yeah, was, that was a weird title. That was closer to a hobo with a shotgun in my mind. Yeah, I was certainly hoping for that. <laughs> but, yeah, can't win them all. Um, also announced this week, we have got a reboot in the works for Final Destination. I only found out about this right now from you, and uh, I am uh, I am shook. Yeah, um, it's, it's an interesting one. I have... Uh, for a long time been hovering in a state of indecision about whether or not I think there should be any more Final Destination films because I love the fifth one so much Mm -hmm. that I, one, naturally want more of it because I like the fifth one so much and two, think that the fifth one is so great that it's a perfect natural ending and they should never make any more. So I've been swithering between those two things but my opinion never mattered and it definitely doesn't now because we're getting more. And uh, it is from uh, the team that brought you the latter four Saw films. Not Jigsaw. Cannot stress that enough. Dunstan and Melton? Yes, Dunstan and Melton. Four, five, six. <laughs> Dunstan and Melton, you make it sound like kind of like family lawyers. <laughs> I actually thought it sounded like like a kind of bespoke perfumery or something. Like <laughs> Dunstan and Melton of... <laughs> bespoke like perfumery. of Knightsbridge. <laughs> Incredible. They do like um, hand creams. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, they are uh, they are helming this, yeah, uh, which I think is interesting and also gives no real indicator out of the gate of the quality of it because I love Saw Five and Six and hate Saw Four and Seven. So um, yeah, um, it's an interesting one. I am obviously there for it. I'll be there opening night, um, but unsure where that's going to go. Yeah, I'm color me concerned. Concerned. I, like, me being me, obviously, I'm going to go for cautiously optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> um, rather than concerned, but I, I, I hear your concerns, though, for sure. Um, also, this week, we did have the announcement of the lineup for Fright Fest Glasgow. Yeah! It's an interesting one this year, I think. Um, we have got, um, on the Thursday, well, there's a, a few things in there that are catching my eye. Right. A couple, not so much. Um, <laughs> okay. But I would say uh, on the Thursday night, just as is kind of a common traditional, 
Uh, there's the one film on the Thursday night, 9 o'clock, the 28th of February. So this runs from the 28th of February to the 2nd of March at the GFT in Glasgow. Yep. It does happen kind of in the final weekend of the broader Glasgow Film Festival. Yes. And tickets go on sale, I believe. If you're listening to this on Monday, the tickets go on sale today. Today, yeah. Yeah, if you're listening to it beyond that, you may not have uh, an option to get a ticket. No, very true. <laughs> um, so the Friday and Saturday are what your weekend tickets get you. Um, individually ticketed event on the Thursday night, the 28th. Now, with Arrow being the sponsor of this and this getting a release um, mm-hmm. around this time, I think we all would have been pretty surprised if uh, Lords of Chaos hadn't. <laughs> yeah, Lords of Chaos. Yeah. Jonas Ackerman's Lords of Chaos. And uh, yeah, um, I've, I've been looking forward to this for a really long time. I can't fucking wait. And the people that I've spoken to that have seen it, are going crazy for it mm-hmm. and saying that it is actually it's, it's extremely unpleasant but like um yeah uh, da- and dan martin i think from that video podcast did the effects well that's cool yeah. right um but yeah um so if you were wondering about that noise that andy made just now uh this is um a film that is based on uh the true story of the band mayhem the black metal band mm-hmm. in the late 80s in norway and uh, the kind of general craziness of the black metal culture around that time. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, there was a book, Lords of Chaos, that came out after that, which t- kind of touched on this in greater detail, uh, the whole black metal thing, and kind of expanded on it beyond that. So it's kind of it's that story, crucially a mayhem, um, and the kind of church burnings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because it was all people um, kind of trying to kind of show that they were the darkest and the most authentic and the realest when they were actually all just fucking dweebs. Um, but yeah, they were, they were uh, yeah, burning churches and murdering people and all that kind of thing. So that's what Lords of Chaos is all about. And Jonas Hartman, good choice to direct that as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm buzzing for that. I think it looks really, really good. Yeah, I can't wait. That's uh, that's the hot ticket for me. Uh, yeah, I would be inclined to agree. Also, um, first thing on the Saturday, uh, we have got uh, the Rasalka. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, looks like it's kind of like, uh, not necessarily a rural, but a kind of isolation or based around a couple of characters in a kind of remote location. Um, really into this, uh, or really up for this, because it has been directed by Perry Blackshear. Right. Uh, the last thing that he directed, uh, unfortunately, I don't think, I do check on this on a fairly regular basis, I don't think it's had a release over here in any form yet, but in 2015, he directed a film called They Look Like People. Right, okay, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Which uh, screened at Fright Fest, which was how I saw it. A uh, friend of the show, John Dickinson, tipped us off on that one, or tipped me off on that one at the festival and I saw it and I thought it was absolutely brilliant I still think about it now and I'd love to see it again but yeah Petty Blackshear's um, The Rasalka on the lineup there I'm really looking forward to that also um, Bear's mentioning that um, our guest from way back in episode 8 Laurie Brewster yeah he and his team at Hex Studios are back and they're on the lineup with uh, Automata or Automata because uh, if you listen to the episode, even Laurie's not sure. Yeah, he hadn't decided. So um, I'm assuming that he's come up on one side of the line by now. But yeah, um, Automata antique expert Brendan Cole summoned to authenticate a 300-year-old clockwork doll with a notoriously dark history known as the Inferno Princess. In the remote Highlands mansion where it has recently been uncovered, Brendan soon finds himself the victim of the Automaton's legendary curse as the malevolent forces surrounding it are terrifyingly awakened. So Automata coming to Fright Fest Glasgow. Looking forward to that. Also, nice uh, nod of the hat there to Strictly Come Dancing Ballroom Dancer Brendan Cole. <laughs> I'm assuming it's him. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, so obviously looking forward to that um, very much. 
Uh, finale, I think, also is worth a mention. I like the sound of this, which is um, which is about two women who are terrorised in a petrol station in Denmark on the day that Denmark reached the finals of the European Championships in 1992. Weird. <laughs> which, wow, uh, weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> although, um, which all sounds really interesting to me, but the closing line of the synopsis is they're hoping for a quiet night, but they've been chosen as players in a gruesome game and no customers mean no witnesses. And I am wondering how many more deadly games of cat and mouse I can stand. All right. <laughs> <laughs> go on I just kind of feel like uh, I feel like I think this is uh, also um, a byproduct of going to loads of festivals okay but I kind of feel like every time I go to something there's at least one in the lineup where it's like with time running out they're caught in a deadly game of cat and mouse and it's like I've just about had it with deadly games of cat and mouse <laughs> <laughs> However, I think that um, finale does sound interesting. It yeah, weirdly like, it specific like to have it said centered in around Denmark in 1992 uh, during the the European Championships of soccer. Yes, very very <laughs> curious about that. Yeah, but I um, mean that was around about the time that I started paying attention to football and stuff like that, and I'm very curious to see how that figures. Because... I wish it was around about the time you started paying attention to horror. <laughs> But yeah, that's a couple of things that are catching my eye. Okay. Uh, on the lineup, and uh, yeah, of course I'll definitely be there. And uh, you're going to be there for Lodge of Chaos Minimum, right? Oh, hopefully, if I, can, if I get a ticket. Yeah, um, so all of that. I think the individual tickets go on sale a little bit later. But um, uh, yeah, we've got uh, the weekend passes on sale today, if you're listening on release day. Yes. Monday. So what are the things then you're a bit more sceptical about that you're looking at with more of a kind of side eye of concern? Um, It's really difficult going into this thing because I think that it's one of those things for the lineup, you know, a lot of this stuff looks really good, but they aren't like huge titles that I've been mm-hmm. kind of keeping an eye on and things. So it's difficult. It's really difficult, I think, to get a read on what is and isn't going to be good, what looks interesting and stuff like that from like a promo image. Oh, I, quite often you go you go to these things and then there's loads of gems hidden in there, things that you, at first glance you're like, oh, I'm not too bothered about that. And you're 50-50 on skipping it to go to the pub and then you're like, fuck, I'm so glad I stayed for that. Yeah, exactly. I think that, and I think that that's part of the fun, as we've talked about before. I think you can be blindsided by things in ways that you really don't expect yeah. and, uh, and stuff like that. So like, there's level 16, which a couple of people that I know who have seen it mm-hmm. are kind of mad for it say that it's really, really good. So it's about a 16-year-old girl, Vivian, right, who is uh, trapped in the Vestalis Academy, which is a boarding school. And uh, she is kind of keeping herself to herself until she runs into uh, Sophia, a former friend who betrayed her, who is now off her meds and has questions about the institution that they're in, which is apparently in a state of disrepair. Uh, together, the girls embark on a dangerous search to uncover the horrifying truth behind their submissive uh, incarceration. Girl interrupted me, Shutter Island. Well, my fear is, because I looked at it and I was like, it's in their heads. Right, okay. Call it's it a hallucination. <laughs> One of the two of them is insane. Right, okay. Uh, so I hope that I hope that's not the case. But it's just as soon as I saw it, where it's like, they have questions about the mysterious place, it's like, it's in their mind. <laughs> None of it's real, it's a Jacob's Ladder scenario. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, it's, it's all just stuff like that. I think that like, and I feel, and I kind of feel funny about um, casting aspersions or any of it, really. Because... I don't know too much about any of them going in. Yeah, there's one on there that makes my uh, eyebrows raise slightly. Go on. Uh, I think it's called Dead Ant. This, I think, is um, very sensibly programmed. It's <laughs> uh, a closing ha- film. It's it's uh, it's the midnight film or the 11pm film on the Friday evening. Right, yeah, yeah. So this is a slot that has previously been occupied by films like Afflicted. Uh, patchwork. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, less successfully, Detention of the Dead. <laughs> um, so 
it's a bit of a wild card slot, but you kind of know that you're going in for something that's going to be kind of like a little over the top, pretty silly, and uh, in most cases, fun. And this certainly sounds like it's going to be over the top and silly. So, yeah, Dead Ant, hmm. So, yeah, this is about a one-hit wonder glam metal band heading to a festival, um, trying to make a comeback. They stop off at Joshua Tree and score some peyote. Oh, yeah! Now, I was thinking, because... I was thinking that this was just going to be like a hallucinogenic, you know, trippy thing. But no, uh, the reason that it's called Dead Ant is because they uh, come up against uh, a army of flesh-eating ants that apparently grow incrementally in size as the film goes on. Yeah. Uh, this sounds like precisely the kind of nonsense that I want to see in a midnight slot. Yeah, and I like the fact that uh, both Jake Busey and Sean Astin are in their mid-40s by now. Yeah. At, and- at least... <laughs> but Sean Aston, uh, Sean Aston, well, in fairness, it's, it's that kind of that kind of tracks because it's yeah. a, it's a band. No, no, that, that's like, what I like. I like that they're these aging rockers hanging on to this kind of one this one hit wonder. Like um, you know, uh, uh, Les McQueen from the League of Gentlemen uh-huh. and his band Kimberly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like that kind of the sadness of hanging on to that one little snippet of fame that you had. Uh-huh. I think that um, I think that casting choice wise is pretty good. Yeah, Tom Arnold's in there as well. Yeah, he must be the manager. Uh, guessing so yeah i'm uh, i'm really interested to see where that goes like i say it's on paper it could go either way i think yeah but, um, that's that's my concern but it's got the potential to be like a really really good midnight film yeah as well and i'm um, obviously me being me i will go in assuming that it's going to be that sure yeah uh but yeah that's fright fest glasgow um that is coming up end of february mm-hmm. into the beginning of march i guess but yeah tickets are out there now so don't sleep on it yes go go now so moving swiftly on what have they been singing? It's feedback and a decent amount this week. Okay. Uh, before we get into uh, stuff about individual episodes and things, um, one thing that we didn't mention that I did get announced this week was the emergence of the news that there is a draft in the works for a new Masters of the Universe. <sighs> yeah. How'd Not f- mine. Uh, no, <laughs> un- unfortunately not. Uh, but this was announced and a couple of people obviously, uh, had some things to say about this. Mm-hmm. So who, who was it that alerted us to this? Uh, it was Dr. Lauren McIntyre in the first instance, but uh, also film fan Stevie Yeah, uh, had tagged us in it as well. Um, so yeah, a couple of people chipping in with some feelings on this. Uh, Darren Gaskell uh, getting in touch uh, with uh, well, his his opinions are this. his opinions are specific in a way that you kind of expect them to be. Get Orko back in. Yes, he's a bit of an irritant, but Gwildor is an unrelenting bellend. Unrelenting bellend. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like Darren's got a bank of kind of like two word insults for Gwildor that he just draws on. <laughs> <laughs> but today he went for unrelenting bellend, which I quite liked. I think also oh, typical of Darren chucking in that we. Uh, that little hyphen in there to get two words where uh, one would suffice. <laughs> Don't think I've forgotten about that. Back in the old 500 review days, Mitch, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Mm, Change days. <laughs> um, I believe that um, uh, Tristan got in touch as well, Tristan Risk. She did, yeah. Yeah, offering her services as the sorceress. Correct, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, which I think would be uh, a great bit of casting, personally. But moving elsewhere, we did have some chat about Demon Wind um, <laughs> this week. Uh, so we did, uh, we did uh, mention that last week we watched Demon Wind on the basis of the recommendation of Mr. John McPhail, who uh, got in touch saying, Cheers for the shout-out, boys. Glad you enjoyed Demon Wind. It's bonkers. I still don't get it, which I think is true of all of us. Hannah Cairns got in touch on Facebook to say, Demon Wind, yes! I can never find anyone who'll admit to seeing that. I love the fact that she said that she can't find anyone who's seen it, just people that won't admit to having seen it. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I had a great time with it. 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it either. I, I certainly don't think that there should be any uh, any amount of embarrassment attached to it. I'm not embarrassed to tell people I've seen any film. No, I completely agree. No. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. Um, so yeah, the big thanks to John for that, and uh, hello, Hannah, for getting in touch on that one as well. Um, we did have uh, Kim, Wicked Sister 69, getting in touch with a couple of general comments from last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously we mentioned the fact that she'd been watching Fright Night yeah. uh, for blog purposes. And also uh, chipping in with some Bird Box stuff as well. So uh, Kim said this, thanks for the mention. Yeah, Fright Night's easily in my top five horror now. It's just perfect. Also, if you're looking for a smell-related horror <laughs> to watch with Bird Box in a quiet place, Reeker exists. Yeah, I've got Reeker somewhere. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, if you're ever wanting to watch that, we can dig that out. I certainly would. Um, but she said, Reeker exists, though it's more about smelling the monster before it kills you than not being able to smell. Still fits into the sense theme, though, which is true. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be quite up for watching that. And, Kim, thanks, as always, for getting in touch. Some general niceness. General niceness. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Uh, Lucy goes to Hollywood at LGTH blog on Twitter getting in touch to say making my first Monday back at work more bearable with the new episode of Strong Violent PC I love the fact I can just plug in my headphones and get on with stuff ah thanks very much Lucy happy to help and continuing general niceness Sandy Gotrit yeah that's Sandy75Mars getting in touch yay it's back if you want to do anything new this 2019 then listen to Strong Violent PC podcast it'll make your Fridays so much nicer and your Mondays so I love the fact that Sandy has said uh, has advocated against all the kind of regular New Year's resolutions uh huh yep yep keep smoking stay fat uh what are the, what are the other ones yeah keep uh, drinking keep yeah drink drink more in January not less <laughs> fuck your dry January drink more um and, uh, yeah listen to us instead because we're full of positive life advice as you can yep. see and we can tell you you'll no stick to your resolutions but we'll be here every week <laughs> Um, I would love to say that I'm living proof of not having stuck to my res- no of have, having stuck to my resolutions, but I have not. I didn't make any this year. To be fair, I've been. To- I'm, I'm still ill. I'm milking that as my excuse for inaction. Um, Stevie Reeve, getting in touch, film fan Stevie. Uh, the new year has not thrown off his routines. <laughs> no, uh, no, he was in Curzon Soho like clockwork last Friday. Um, checking out an episode on Sushi Girl with um, a cup of coffee. Also had the shakes. Uh, the Shake 72 mm-hmm. on Twitter. Uh, listen to the Strong Violent PC mini-sode today. Cheers for the mention, chaps. Look forward to Friday. A film I know nothing about. May actually watch this one before the show. So, uh, would be really interested to know what you thought of both Sushi Girl and the episode. And with Sushi Girl in mind, on Facebook, former guest, Boz, oh, yeah? got in touch to say, only comment on this pre-listening, does this film need defending? I think it's a stone-cold winner all the way. Not fishing to make a fuss. Sashimi point of view, yeah. Uh, oh my god. Oh, reaching with some of those there, boys. Yeah, that, but, I mean, uh, I, mean I, um, I do appreciate the effort. Yeah, but I mean, I like puns as much as the next guy that's scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one more in Sushi Girl, actually. Uh, Dave Cooper, deluxe underscore man on Twitter, getting in touch, saying, Really enjoyed the new episode. Never heard of the film, but the sock scene sold it for me. Uh, the sock scene is the best scene in the film, but I think the whole thing's worth a look. Uh, Dave Cooper, worth a mention this week actually, he said when you get the chance please check your PayPal account because Dave Cooper was kind enough to throw a little bit of money our way. That's just lovely, absolutely lovely and uh, if anyone else ever feels like doing the same thing, of course there's absolutely no uh, obligation obligation to do that but if you ever do feel like shooting us a couple of quid to keep this podcast trucking and help us on our way to get new equipment and growing and 
being able to do things and yeah, get whatever. out and just kind of grow in <laughs> certain just, things. And yeah. I mean, Andy keeps breaking coffee tables. You know, those things aren't cheap. Yeah, you know, I need to replace the coffee table. That's a business expense. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you can shoot us some money along to our uh, PayPal, which is uh, stronglanguageviolencescenes at gmail.com. You can indeed. Moving swiftly on, though, um, I don't actually have too much more. Um, no, I, I'm out. Big thank you to everyone that's been getting in touch this week, but I'm saying I don't have more. I've got loads more. Oh. <laughs> it's Mitch's Pitches! It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. How do we do that, you ask? Andy will send me a picture to my phone as we're recording. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will Photoshop out the title, the tagline, leave only the central image. I will, as always, uh, describe the image to the best of my ability, give it a title and a synopsis, and we will post the picture to all of our social media so you can play along at home. Yay! On that subject. Oh, this is my favourite bit. Last week, we had um, we had some fun with last week's one. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm just going to bring up the original image. Maybe you should do that as well. Yeah, um, you can uh, find it on our Twitter and Instagram or Facebook. Yep. And uh, so, we had New Year's Evil. Yes. Uh, last week, which I uh, reappropriated as a cold, dismembered night. Very clever. Yeah. Thank you very much. I also thought that that was clever. Um, <laughs> um, people have been queuing up. To get in touch about okay. this one once again. Dave Cooper, Deluxe underscore man on Twitter said, Happy Death Day. Can't imagine where he got the idea for that one. Um, <laughs> ha- <laughs> Hannah. Um, Seems like potentially litigious territory there, thanks. Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter, Killer Date. Yeah, with, okay. ta- with the tagline, Don't Order the Steak. Um, Dennis Extra Atherton at Den's Beans on Twitter, getting in touch with the calendar killer. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, Stuart Spark, evidently a filmmaker by trade, gets in touch with Death Sember. Tagline, Ah. this month is going to be a killer. Uh, Synopsis, a manager at a calendar factory goes insane and is driven to kill based on his victim's December birth date. Can Detective January solve the puzzle (laughs) and catch the killer before the new year? (laughs) Stuart Spark there going far and away over and above uh, the requirements. Yeah, absolutely going for it. But we've had a couple of these, actually. Uh, Be Quiet Michael, uh, getting in touch on Instagram. Uh... After their WI calendar shoot goes viral, Dame Hillman Mirren and friends must pull together to survive as a vicious letter opener wielding murderer, thank you, begins picking them off one by one. But who is he and can they stop him before midnight? It's 2005's poorly considered sequel, Calendar Girls 2, New Year's Reckoning. <laughs> With Celia Emery's the first one to go. I absolutely love that. Uh, moving to Facebook, uh, Phil Newton, Killinder. All right, okay. Uh, Mark Logan, as ever, going all in. They've run out of Little Mix 2019 calendars. He's run out of patience. Now everyone better run out screaming. New Year's Eve pop-up calendar shop massacre. 100% unofficial. (laughs) They all say that. It's fucking great, isn't it? It's like the the unofficial Justin Bieber calendar. It's like like paparazzi shots of him from across the street. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, loads and loads on Facebook um, we have uh, Freighter Perdurabo not his real name uh, right. getting in touch on Facebook uh, saying Happy New Year was that a scream? yeah um, Boz getting in touch Death member right okay which, it's not a million okay, miles okay, off yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also in the advent of my death <laughs> uh, Andy McCartan has escaped from Christmas uh, Freighter getting in touch again destroy all calendars <laughs> Um, Faye Ellis, if you look at the picture, you'll understand. Fastbender December. Right, okay. 
Uh, Darren Gaskell, uh, date with death. The CEO of a calendar making company is pushed to murder his employees after they manufacture a million calendars with December the 32nd on them. <laughs> um, and um, Antonis Constantine displaying his usual eye for detail with uh, Switchblade Party Pete and the unreasonably disproportionate number to blank space ratio calendar. Which, if you look at the calendar, that is a fair point. There is no room to write anything on it. Uh, Any more? <laughs> I believe that's your lot. Just give me one second. Let's have a quick scan. I'm pretty sure that that is uh, that's your lot for this week. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's. Oh, right. Okay. This is hard this week. This one's hard. A lot of really good ones. Um, I'm gonna give it to Stuart Spark for effort. Okay. I'm just gonna cycle back and bring that one up again. I would say like, a few worthy winners uh, this week. So uh, no qualms. Uh, no qualms from me on that one. So that was Death Sember. Tagline this month is gonna be killer. A manager at a calendar factory goes insane and is driven to kill based on his victim's December birth date. Can Detective January solve the puzzle and catch the killer before the new year? Really happy with that. Fine. It was, de- it was Detective January that won it for me. <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, Stuart, congratulations. You win nothing. Yep, you sure don't. Moving swiftly <laughs> on. Are you ready? As I'll ever be. Okay, here it comes. It is inbound now. Okay. Here we go. Oh, my. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. Right, okay. Yeah? Where to begin? <laughs> so, um, we are definitely outdoors. I'd say that's pretty clear. Uh, it's a star-filled sky, most notably a shooting star. Oh, sounds nice. Yeah. Um, in the foreground of the image, we have um, a man and a woman... Uh, the woman is lying on the ground, shielding her eyes. The man is standing with a stick in his hand. Uh, they're both facing away from us, the viewer. And I would say that the stick that he is holding will not be of much use to him. Because he is uh, standing in front of a gigantic three-headed eyeless monster with uh, multiple rows of teeth on each head. It is also undeniable that this looks like a three-pronged penis. <laughs> much does i don't think that there's any getting away from the fact that that's what it looks like <laughs> no no you are <laughs> so yeah, uh we, we have a man and a woman outside on a patch of grass in a state of some distress facing a three-headed penis monster as a shooting star whizzes past in the background okay yeah uh i am going to need potentially longer than a moment You look like you're really... Yeah, this is... You look, uh, you look like you're toiling here. This is it's certainly one of the trickier ones, I would say. It's a very busy image. <laughs> it's a busy image, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was almost one that was even busier, if uh, if you can believe it. Okay, save that for next week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry. Uh, it's in the bank. How are we getting on? Are you... Almost there. Closing in? I think so. <sighs> right. Oh, confident? I don't know about that, but okay, let's try this. Um, I'm going to read this all as one thing. Right. Oh, right, okay. So, tagline into title. At a deeply conservative rural American high school, a pair of progressive teachers look to introduce sex education to the curriculum, much to the chagrin of the school board. However, their good intentions turn sour when the recital of an inscription in the back of an antiquated anatomy textbook summons a terrifying phallic hellbeast. Clive Barker meets the Breakfast Club in 1987's B-movie classic Sex Education 2, The Birds and the Beelzebub. <laughs> 
Whoa, okay. Uh, <laughs> that uh, took a lot of work to get to that point. Yeah, uh, rather you than me. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to hazard a guess that I've maybe got the wrong film in the sex education series. Yeah, and what I would say is uh, you've, ta- you've taken the, the fact that these look like cocks very literally. Uh-huh. Um, when in fact they're not. Oh, right, See, okay. that's what's thrown you there. More fool me. Yeah, more fool you. Uh, it's in fact 1983's The Deadly Spawn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Synopsis for that one? Alien creatures invade a small town and four teenagers, along with a young boy, attempt to escape from them. Excellent. That's a very short version of it. That is a very short version. Basically big munching teeth beasts that do, (laughs) in actual fact, look quite a lot like cocks. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel bad for making that mistake. No, no, no. Um, no. We will, of course, that image will be everywhere by now. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. That that was my pitch. Uh, Get in touch with yours, and uh, you'll probably be able to top it. Um, (laughs) We love hearing them. Yes, it's fast becoming my favourite thing. Uh, the listener's admissions. However, so moving on, I guess, to uh-huh. the uh, announcements for this week. Whoa. So it's a good one this week. Our guest this week yes. is the co-director of the Fractured Visions Film Festival and also the co-director of the excellent film Cruel Summer. Oof. <laughs> it's Philip Escott joining us this week. Yes, indeed. Yep, and bringing an interesting one, um, one which I think you can is available on YouTube. I want uh, it's to say. kicking around there, I it's believe. Yeah, on YouTube. I don't know about the legality of it, so uh, apologies. No, it's on there though, and um, uh, there's also um, an Arrow release of it coming up. Yeah, yep. Yeah, there's an Arrow re- release inbound, um, but we're going back to 1999, uh, and it's Call a Boss. Call a Boss. Yeah. Okay, I know nothing about Call a Boss. <laughs> not seen it. No, I have not. You're gonna. Yep, I'm gonna. Uh, so, Philip Escott, co-writer director of Cruel Summer and also the co-director of the Fractured Visions Film Festival, joins us this week to talk Call a Boss. Yes. So, I guess that's just about it for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't forget, of course, if you want to get in touch with us between now and then with some comments, feedback, a Mitch's Pitches submission, whatever you like... We obviously would love for you to do that. Facebook and Instagram at Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. And as you know, you can listen to us just about everywhere. But please, 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 for God's sake, please take the time to like us and share us and leave a review if you're feeling particularly generous and whatever the fuck you need to do. Um, because we do appreciate it. Yeah, huge thanks to everybody that has been doing that as well. Mm-hmm. So we're back Friday, 8am GMT. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 